God's good creation and the world God has made. And so we trust that as our children continue to grow in relationship with God, they too participate in God's mission. We also see this golden thread running through the scriptures of God's passionate love, especially um, for people who are vulnerable or who are at risk of being taken advantage of by people who are more powerful than they are, right? And as we just heard, scripture's shorthand for these kinds of people are the stranger, the foreigner, the orphan, and the widow. And the people who God was calling to be a light to their neighbors were expected to imitate God's deep concern uh, for um, protection of these vulnerable people. Um, And so showing God's goodness in the world equaled showing special consideration and care for people who had little money, a little social protection, and little ability to defend themselves against harm of any kind. And so the clear message we hear in these social codes that we just heard is that God's people are to be making a point of being sure that these folks have what they need, that they're protected, um, and not exploited. And then, as many of you might remember, when Jesus himself makes his debut in Nazareth, in Luke chapter 4, he also alludes to this and emphasizes God's special concern for people who are in a difficult spot or people who are considered outsiders and therefore at risk, uh, likely to be mistreated. And if you don't remember Luke chapter 4, I encourage you to check it out later because it's quite a story. And so today, here... Um, We're desiring in the spirit of that one who defends the orphan and the widow um, to remember that our efforts here to protect children who are always among the vulnerable, these efforts and this work to protect forms strong and sturdy threads in that bigger fabric of joining in God's mission together as um, a body. I think you might know that Linda and Ernie both serve on our Safe Church Committee here. Linda's been serving as a chair of our Safe Church Committee for a few years. And uh, other committee members are Janelle Hoover. And then in their capacities uh, through Nurture Commission, Phyllis Palmingood and uh, Myrna Eitzen are also on that committee. So... I'm going to be asking them some questions to help tease out some things that maybe we still wonder about or um, yeah, w- how we are with our children together as a congregation. So just to begin, what are some particular things that you value in the children we have in our congregation here? Well, I love uh, the energy and enthusiasm that our children bring um, yeah, I was thinking it's like spring um, and sort of the beauty um, that we experience at this time of year. Um, and there's so many, uh, there's so much wisdom in their, in children's curiosity and questions and ways of seeing the world. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot um, of joy that comes through our children. Mm-hmm. I might add that I'm glad to see that the number of children in our congregation has been growing in the last months. And uh, 
we, we particularly celebrated that a couple of weeks ago when they all went dancing back the aisle with Titus. <laughs> that was just a very special moment for us, and we wouldn't have experienced that without our children being here. So as we think about some of the safe church uh, policies and things that we do, I, I don't know, people might still kind of wonder, what is it with everybody getting background checks? Like, why everyone? Is this, <laughs> does this actually protect our children? How does that connect? Like, <laughs> well, yes, granted, it may seem unnecessary. Uh, and getting background checks doesn't guarantee the safety of our children. Uh, if you lock your car, it doesn't guarantee it won't be broken into and something stolen from it. We do know, though, that it's a wise precaution to take. And I think of uh, the background checks in somewhat the same way. Uh, we live in a, in a time where the climate has changed in terms of uh, what's expected for people who are responsible in, in looking after the well-being of the children. Uh, I work in school settings, and it's become just a part of, of being qualified to do that, to go through those checks regularly. Interestingly, we live in a little development that has a lot of families uh, because of a little incident that happened last year uh, involving one of the uh, contracted people who come to mow the lawn. Uh, now, the persons who come and work in our development are required to get background checks. So I'm saying part of the reason that I think as a congregation we ought to do that is that it's recognized now in our culture as one of the ways that, uh, that is a prudent thing to do uh, to at least take a step in the direction of assuring the safety of our children. Yeah, I would agree. It's, it's a precautionary step. Um, and I think it... it um, it's easier if we all do it because then it's just part of what we do. And it's like, um, yeah, as, as Ernie said, it's like locking our car door or making sure our medicines are in safe places um, because um, those who might misuse them, um, it's harder for them to get access uh, or mm-hmm. it's harder for someone to steal a car if you've taken your keys out and locked the door. Um, so it's just part of a, a precautionary step. And I think it, it indicates um, that we do love our children so much that we're going to take that extra step um, to make sure that we've done what, what's needed, uh, or at least a beginning step to, to make sure they're protected. And of course, we know it's now the law for anyone who works with children um, in, in any kind of capacity to get them. But I hope we don't do it just because the law requires that. Mm-hmm but because of these deeper issues of, of concern and care. And then if we have kind of a common expectation and culture of doing that, then if anyone, if like someone was going to um, try to make inroads or something, they would, they would meet that right away and realize, you know, if they mm-hmm. have any history, that there's no place to go with it at, at right. that point. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. What about this thing about not hugging children without permission? Like, I mean, that sometimes may seem like a little much, like asking the child first before you want to give them a hug. Like, is that really necessary, or what is that? 
talk a little bit more about that and how does this connect with this bigger theme of how we love one another? Like, <laughs> right, right. Go ahead. Well, it just now strikes me that it's ironic that in the last however many years, hugs among adults have become, I think, much more widely accepted as an expression of friendship and all. But at the same time, we're putting the brakes on just spontaneously uh, hugging a child without permission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'd say probably it's good if we ask permission of adults, too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But you're right. It is much more accepted than... uh, than, I used, than it used to be, I think, in, in uh, sort of European Mennonite traditional culture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think, it, yeah, it's a sign of respect, I, I would say, um, because we never know what people's history is, uh, even a child's history, or maybe what physical uh, issues they might be, be facing. Um, and so I think it's a sign of respect to sort of ask and sort of indicate and, and really pay attention to the cues that the child is giving us. Um, and, and I think it's also part of helping children understand that they have a right to say what happens to their bodies. And that's a really important um, thing for children to be able to learn. And we know from, from watching patterns of people who want to harm children that one of the steps is to start violating those boundaries and and sort of you know keep keeping keep keeping that going and um, and so for those of us who who love and respect children it's it's a sign you know to pay attention to how you know whether they are um, wanting a hug and I guess I would say too we do know that that healthy touch um, caring for one another I mean that's important also so we don't want to. We don't want to say that all of that is off the table or we shouldn't ever um, express concern and care through through touch, but we need to make sure it's respectful and caring. Mm-hmm. And welcomed. And welcomed, yes. <laughs> and that if a child, you know, maybe at some point is welcoming it, but then, you know, maybe they had a bad morning or whatever, <laughs> or something happened to them, you know, uh, like saying yes one time doesn't mean that, that they're necessarily receptive the next time. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of a way of honoring them. Yeah. So do you have counsel about, in gen- more generally, maybe how we speak to our children? Mm-hmm. Um, what would be respectful and loving in that, mm-hmm. um, how we interact together? Well, I would say, I think I often come back to Jesus' um, statement that we treat others like we would want to be treated ourselves. And I'm always amazed how even two-year-olds or even younger, I mean, they are little people. <laughs> and, you know, very, and so to, um, to interact with children like we would with anyone in, in terms of being, uh, respectful and, um, not talking down to or, um, Oh, I don't know quite how to say it, but but yeah, to interact with them and ask questions that are, um, yeah, that that show respect and care. I think you're saying that children are people. For me, is a helpful reminder. Uh, drawing from a memory that I have, I'm a preacher's kid, and my father did a lot of. Uh, going around to other churches uh, by invitation to preach. 
and of course his family tagged along when we were all young children. I was a, ch- a shy child, and I remember how uncomfortable or I don't even know uncomfortable is certainly one of the words. There would be more that I could think of to apply. But how I'm disliked is another word. The way people seem to have to dote over the preacher's children and, you know, talk in an effective voice and ask questions and all that I just didn't want to be bothered with as a child. Now, maybe I needed to learn to be more social. I don't know. But... uh, And and I know from today's perspective, they really were interested in us uh, children, and they were well-meaning. But in terms of what what does the child appreciate, I didn't at that stage in my life appreciate it a whole lot. And so I think if we remember, oh, children are people, so talk to them as people, not as some special category of of creature, but as people. Right. Uh, Yeah, that's helpful for me to keep Mm -hmm. that in mind. (laughs) And, oh, maybe another thing. Uh, When we were raising our own children, uh, our son at a certain stage seemed quite precocious, and so people would love to ask him questions and then draw him out, you know, hear what what kind of answers. And, And there was one family we visited where it seemed like everything he said, the adult would laugh. That troubled us as parents. Uh because it, it seemed to be crossing that boundary that we talked about. Uh, they were responding differently in conversation to this child than they would in an adult. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just want to add to that, Samantha, I think you have a real gift in relating to children, and I've observed the, the positive side of what we're talking about here when I see you interacting with children here. And yes, some of their responses we all feel like, bursting out laughing, but you just kind of take them in stride. And I think I would say to the rest of us, let's, let's try to restrain those laughs. Oh, there are occasions, I'm sure, that it's appropriate, but uh, yeah. is that helpful? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and if I'm leading children's time and I say something ridiculous, you can laugh at me, but maybe not the children. Uh, let's try, yeah, let's try to make a habit of that, I think. It helps them to know that we're taking their development seriously, I guess, and that we really value the contributions. What, even if they do sound silly, that we, we just want to receive them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know, shall we wrap up or shall we do one more? Do, what do you think? <laughs> well, I think one of the other things we talked about was how we learn the names of our children. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, especially those of us who don't have a lot of... Um, week-to-week contact, and uh, so I don't know if you have thoughts about ways that we can work at that. Yeah, I think a lot of people want to learn the children's names, and it's, you know, people value that, but it's hard sometimes to do that, and so we were actually talking in Nurture Commission about maybe, um, with parents' permission, maybe putting up photos and, like, little mini bios along the, the, around our space here, kind of like we had our, bless, our benedictions and blessings. And that way you'd have a chance to kind of browse and read up a little bit on the child and, and just maybe practice, just like we might do when we take out the directory and try to learn people's names who are new or we don't know. So that's one thing we've thought about, but, but I appreciate that because uh, something we should probably keep working on. Mm-hmm. It would be wonderful if we could all address the children by their names, and we do have quite a few more children than we used to, so that becomes a little bit more of a challenge maybe if we don't see them all the time. Mm 
Well, we thank you so much for taking the time. Um, and honestly, if, if there are lingering questions that you have about the way we're doing Safe Church, please feel free to talk to any of us, um, Janelle, Myrna, um, Phyllis, and if we can't give you an answer right then, we'll find out um, or we'll chat together. Uh, but it's, I know that this is something that we all value very much, and sometimes we're not always tracking with each other about why we're doing one thing or another, but um, let's continue that conversation. I like, if you would take your covenant, which uh, I hope everyone received. We do have, I think, a couple more copies in the back. If you need one, would you uh, raise a hand? And take a few moments to simply read through. And when you've had a chance to read through, please sign and date. Uh, this covenant, and we, it does say staff and volunteers, but we really consider this to be something that all of us, any of us who interact with our children at all, that this is a commitment we want to make together. Um, and I've been talking uh, with, uh, with Linda a little bit about looking for a couple of spots in our building, a couple of places to post this. Uh, in a more permanent way so that we are reminded as we go about our life together, and also uh, others who come here will know the commitments that we have made uh, to our children and to each other. So once you've had a chance to read this, uh, you'll be handing this in to the offering, a way of offering our love for our children. Um, So once you've signed it, you can hold on to it until offering time and then put it in the plate when it comes by. And we will take this and actually we'll keep them on file uh, in our church office. So they'll just be, they'll be filed away so we know we have um, have them in one spot. Do you think I was asking? Oh, I, was, I thought they would just read through it. <laughs> 